You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Here we go. Well, that was fantastically annoying. Everybody, welcome to the 30th episode of 3DM's podcast. I'm Jake, joined as usual by Nacho and Paul. I'm going to cough off camera really quick. Cover me cover me for time, Nacho. So today in the studio, we have executive guest producer, Jesse, who is not at his mic. What's happening, y'all? And we apologize for the audio issues we had. Uh, it turns out whoever was in the studio previously had uh, completely deleted and changed all of the audio inputs. Huh. So Jake and I were sitting there off screen getting that all set up. So now we have audio. We apologize for all that. You may notice also that we're in a new studio and our camera is different. So well, yeah, no, a lot of a lot of new things. Uh, exciting life experiences today. All right, so guys, let's pile into it. Um, first things first, a little bit of news. I love that. Finally, like as we were waiting for news to happen, like the first week. <laughs> That, like, we can't do a show. We actually have news. So we're going to catch up on a bit of the backlog. Uh, so Ravnica got announced as one of the new supplement uh, setting supplements. Huh. That's nice. It's a Magic the Gathering setting, a city of, well, an entire planet. Yeah. I'm I'm excited about it. It's going to come out in November. November. I am, too. I mean, I'm less into the hype for Ravnica than most people who play Magic. But, you don't uh, feel the hype? I'm still hyped. I'm just not as hyped. I don't like having backstory for my card games, so I try to ignore all of the Magic the Gathering background. That's probably for the best. It's not very well written. I just want big beasts fighting each other. I don't want a story there. Well, yeah, best of luck with that one. Because if I, if I knew the story, then I probably wouldn't play what I play. They're determined to put their characters in everything, no matter how nonsensical it may be. R- regardless. Anything outside of that news, Jake? Um, yes, we also had the release of the Eberron supplement for 5e, and they released it on the DMs Guild. They just kind Excellent. of tucked it out there in a PDF. So hopefully we're going to have the money to be able to pick that up by next week, and then we will cupboard having read it and see the things we like and the things we hate and, you know, make our decisions. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, hmm. But another thing happened. We had a Paul. Go on. Here, yeah, move, move the mic, and then uh, we'll twist figures. this. <laughs> new studio, new problems. I think you've made it worse. Righty tighty, lefty loosey. I'm looking at it backwards. <laughs> I noticed. Anyways, regardless, Comic Con was over the weekend. Um, didn't pay much attention to that. Anything interesting come out? Uh, well, trailer for Shazam, bitching. Um, a couple other things, you know, all the general Comic Con stuff. But um, as I was frantically panicking to try to find a plan for last week's show because we had nothing. Um, my truck broke down. 
Yeah, and uh, as the truck conveniently broke down, um, which spared us some time, but I did come up with a plan for a show last week thanks to something that came out of Comic-Con, and that's what we're going to do this week. So, launch us into it. The uh, Well, the new Godzilla trailer came out, and for anybody who knows me personally, Godzilla was like a instrumental part of my childhood. I had all the VHSs, like every single movie, even the like really awkward, bad, like mid-70s stuff that's just so cringy. Like all the dubbing is just The MST3K stuff. Yeah. yeah it's very near and dear to my heart. And they released the trailer and Mothra is going to be in it and Rodan's going to be in it and King Ghidorah is going to be in this one. I'm just so excited. And that made me think for a minute about big – terrifying monsters in the wor- world of D&D. And then I said, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to talk about the Tarrasque. So we're going to talk about the Tarrasque and we're going to talk about other gargantuan monsters a-, a bit, you know, basically called gargantuan monsters and you. How to use them, how to make them happy. Um, kaiju. Kaiju. Um, we're, we're just going to run down the list of everything gargantuan that exists in 5th edition thus far. Ahead us. Um that counts Using, as a kaiju. That counts as a kaiju. Well, just counting as a kaiju, that's a very tiny list. But there is stuff that's technically big stuff. Um, so Papa Tarask, obviously, he's first and foremost. He is uh, – The people's champion. He is the, the fan favorite. Yes. Um, actually, the fan least favorite because every time a Tarask gets used, it's either like this is the ultimate battle of ultimate destiny or a DM is just really mad at their players. Either that or somebody's showing you how stupid their optimized build is. Yeah. As, as long as you're not on the receiving end of the Tarask. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, we also have The Rock, which is ROC, not Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But we'll be making that joke a couple times. Yeah, no, we Buckle can't on. help ourselves. Um, we got the Purple Worm. I guess uh, I guess before I go any further, too, let's put down what our technical definition of a kaiju or a uh, monster would be in this scenario. It's something that is unaligned due to its intelligence. Um, it's something that is dumb and – well, not dumb, but – Unintelligent. Does not make plans. Does not, yeah, does not care that you, you know, take time to go to your church group every Sunday and is going to cut you some slack for that. They're going to. Owlbear don't care. Owlbear don't care. Tarrasque don't care in this case. Tarrasque really don't care. Um, we got the purple worm from Tome of Foes. We've got the astral dreadnought. Uh, we've got the brontosaurus, the gentlest kaiju from, uh, (laughs) from Volos. Uh, and then we got a bunch of stuff from Tome of Beast because they were just like, you want big monsters? Here you go, chief. Have as much as you can handle. We got the Yanchen, uh, the Yanchen Banag, which is a giant bull, which is fun. Titan Boa or the Titano Boa, which is a giant boa constrictor. Who would have guessed? Uh, nobody. Um, we have the Ishod, which is like Gyarados, but with more teeth. It's actually a pretty cool thing. Um, and we have the Spinosaurus, which if you've seen Jurassic Park 3, makes a T-Rex look like a biatch. So those are all the unaligned big-ass monsters that you have in standard D&D. Um, we're going to throw two exceptions into this list as well. Because um, they're so relevant. Yeah, because they're very relevant to it. That is going to be Dragon Turtle, and that is going to be the Kraken. The Unleashed one. But um, we're going to... We're going to start with a little bit of like how we got to this point in 5e. So uh, 3.5, we used to have another size category called Colossal and then there was another Over Gargantuan, one. yes. Yeah, and there was another one called Colossal Plus. Currently, we just exist in a world where it's tiny, medium, large, huge and uh, Gargantuan. Gargantuan. So we lost, the si- we lost the biggest size category from the last edition. I 
Couldn't really find anything why. We also skipped small. Well, small doesn't matter. matter. They're halflings. They halflings, wood halfling lives matter. A As a short man, I take offense to that. <laughs> your feet aren't hairy and you're not that tiny, Jesse. Um, you don't love food that much. And you don't Sorry. love food that much. Look at your belly. It's too thin. <laughs> I haven't no. caught up to you guys yet. Yeah, that's fair. You'll get there. You'll get there one day. When you plan out D&D, you sort of develop like this. Boom. Morph. And then your sweet, loving wife. I'm sure she's going to feed you to our size <laughs> one day. One Regardless. Day. Moving on. Um, so Gargantuan is the biggest it gets. Gargantuan is as big as you get. But um, as you'll notice with a lot of these monsters, like some of them are just like, oh, yeah, that's a pretty big boy. And then some of them, that's a big yeah, boy. The Kraken is supposedly ship-sized and it's Gargantuan. But then you also have – some gargantuan stuff, which is about the size of a house. And a which ship is, is bigger than a house, I should point out. Which, so. yeah, I mean, yeah, oh, it's only the size of a house, you know, but still it's – there's a bit of a size difference. You're fighting a house. Yeah, yeah. so gargantuan monsters can be, you know, right there. The gazebo it's, will get you. Yeah, it's, it's the end of the spectrum for size. And basically once it hits gargantuan, it's just big. Um, takes up uh, four by four on the grid if you're using the battle grid or a very ugly amount of hexes if you've – Looked at uh, the hex usage for Gargantuan. It's not pretty. Hey, it's hexes like, are convenient. They are convenient, but it looks like crap with Gargantuan. Um, and that's just all the like little little bits and stuff we got. Uh, but we're going to jump back to the first thing because uh, we're just going to try to talk about as many of these as we can, how to maybe use them in your game. And we're going to talk about everybody's favorite, Papa T. The Tarrasque. We're just going to we're just going to lead off with the meat and potatoes, and then we'll handle all the scraps. Well, you guys are getting into that. Luke Hart says halflings are okay, but I love Kender. No, Luke, we had this conversation on the show. I thought Liberate we were past this. Luke, I thought uh, Luke, I thought we were friends. We, we we thought we were past this point, Luke. They just put the judgment hammer down. You're, you're, you're still near and dear to our hearts, but uh, we can still be friends. You're on but. thin ice. <laughs> <laughs> There's not going to be any Christmas card for you, Chief. Um, so. Bunch of little we'll, we'll send you the heads of Paul, the Just lead us into the Tarrasque. So the Tarrasque is the one that gets brought up whenever I bring up to new players that there's no monster in the monster manual with an AC of greater than 21. The Tarrasque is AC 25, and it goes downhill from there. Let me tell you that. And by downhill, I mean for the players. I mean it gets better for you as the dungeon master. It's got 600-odd hit points, nearly 700. It moves at 40 feet. It's got a ridiculous strength of 30 and a constitution of 30 with an intelligence of 3, which would be in old editions enough to allow you to speak. But it doesn't care. It is CR 30, and it is quicker to list things that it is not immune or resistant to than what it is. Um, now let's talk really quick about the old Tarrasque because it's – this has been a topic between us because it didn't used to have the uh, the magic-resistant carapace. I'm pretty sure it had magic resistance, but it didn't have magic reflecting carapace, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, okay, so now. It had ma- MR40 or something stupid like that in third edition. Yeah, so. Now you shoot a laser beam at it, there's a chance that laser beam comes right back at you. Previously, you didn't have that. Yeah, you didn't have that. And, well, even then, though, if you just shoot a spell at it, it's not going to hit it. It bounces off. It's just like ping, ping, ping. Um, well, yeah, admittedly, it's only magic missiles, lines, and rays, but. <laughs> which is, or anything with an attack roll. Yeah. Which is. Most. A lot of the good ones. Yeah. Any non-AOE spell. So your cones of cold and your fireballs are fine. Oh, oh wait. It's, it's immune to fire. It's immune to fire. And poison. <laughs> and charm. Yes. And bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. 
just in case you were somehow still using a non-magic weapon at level 20. So, um, the Tarask is just Godzilla. Like, let's just get that out of the way. This is the one thing that, you know, unless you go get look at some homebrew, which uh, I tried to find some good homebrew for this show, but didn't really have enough time to like, I didn't think we were going to have enough time to really incorporate it. So it's just, you know, let's stick to the books today. Um, this is as close as you're going to get to an actual a straight kaiju, up kaiju yeah. a straight up kaiju other than the Kraken. I think the Kraken's the only one who really pulls his weight in that class. Um, yeah, but the Kraken is also smarter than you are, and it but hates you. We'll cross that bridge, we'll when, cross we that bridge when we get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Everything the Taras can do, it's you know, it's big, it's beefy. It has siege damage, which means it does double damage to buildings. It has an obscene amount of health, as we've already covered, and it's immune to everything under the spun, sun and most magic. Also, it's a legendary creature, has legendary resistance. You know, just sprinkle that haterade on there. Plus some legendary actions, you know, in case it wasn't murdering you fast enough. Yeah. So get all that advantage on all its saving throws. Let's just get this out of the way really quick because it's the highest CR thing that we officially have out of anything. It's CR 30. Um, And on paper, yeah, it still just womps everybody else like. Oh, boy, plus 19 to hit. Ow. Ow. It's going to walk through every single demon prince. It's going to walk through every, uh, like, Zeriel, the fantastic devil uh, lord of the first they introduced in Tome of Foes. Useless. Completely useless. Well, half – her whole shtick is, like, I do fire damage and he's immune to fire damage. Um, in case you don't have a monster manual, I see Jesse is providing us a nice image. Much appreciated, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Um, so I think this is the most accurate accu- – Active executive producer we've had in the studio yeah, no, with us. Normally, you just sit here and drink and talk. I'm here <laughs> for you guys. I'm here for you. <laughs> Thanks, Much Regardless. Moving so, on. The Tarask. How to use it properly in a game because it's CR 30. It's also dumb as a post. It's dumb as a post. and But that's – like this is a whole other separate argument. But a lot of times I see a lot of DMs who are very vindictive with dumb monsters. Like they make way more intelligent decisions than they should be. Yeah, go for the one in cloth as opposed to the closest one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or the one that did the most ouchies to it. Um, now, that being said, off the top of your heads, what is the best way for – to actually – if you actually want to use a Tarask in your game because it is just so big and so scary and so terrifying, what is your ideal way of introducing it? Well, if I'm going to be using a Tarask, it's going to have to be more of a plot device than a monster. The stats are basically there so that the players don't do something stupid and tricky like dropping 6,000 pounds of explosives on it or something. The answer to that question is the Tarask is a plot device with stats. Uh, it can and will beat its way through just about everybody. So it's going to go to straight line and mess things up and then leave as soon as it's done with that. I mean as we've talked about in the car, I mean it you know it looks at cities and then just runs through a city like it's a – you know, toddler kicking over sandcastles at the beach. Um, You're not wrong. Yeah. And then, as Paul said, yes, a plot device. Uh, my preferred origin story for the Tarask, since they had a couple throughout the years where either there's a planet full of Tarasks and every now and then one of them somehow falls off <laughs> and lands in Earth. The, un, unless I was reading something that was uh, – I don't think that's real bullshit. That was 
that was a backstory I read somewhere. <laughs> I don't think that's fact the, check the, us. the other one was yeah, I, I do want to fact check on that. I, I remember it, it was just so out there that I remember that, but I prefer the origin story where it uh just kind of slumbers in the core of the earth and then every however many years it rises. Yeah, so that's that's the normal one. Wait, so wait. Ah, after 10,000 years, I'm free. It's time to conquer Earth. Let's yeah, so that. if I was going to introduce it, I'd have some form of a doomsday cult that's trying to awaken an ancient force of destruction, which they're thinking, oh, no, it's going to be a god. It's going to be this. It's going to be gonna a be devil. devil Surprise. Here's a Tarrasque. It'll it's, kill you. It's angry Godzilla. So Godzilla failed out of elementary school <laughs> and proceeded to hit the gym even more. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's talk about then possible ways to counter Tarrasque because it is – again, it's the most powerful thing in the book. And if you're going to use it as a plot device because, I mean, we were talking about ways to like kill it in the car <clears throat> and outside of ridiculous cheese and basically a party that is specifically built to counter a Tarrasque, which it's divination wizards and bards and fighters everywhere. <laughs> Tarrasque Force Alpha? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's like – it's going to be like 15 – um, Divination wizards. wizards forcing it to fail saving throws and as well as, a statue. As well as you have bards giving it disadvantage. Well, you have your however many fighters you want with magic weapons just swinging as hard as they can. And opening. Why would and, they bother with that? I mean it doesn't have regeneration anymore, thank god. But it's still AC 25, 700 hit points. Well, I a level 20 fighter. You know, gets a lot of attacks. Right yeah, four there. attacks. You know, you, you get six of them up there, and they just start trying to whittle it down quickly enough. Might be able to pull it off. Every single one of them has a belt of storm giant strength. Yeah, every, every everybody's like, no, they have to be kitted. They have to be ridiculously kitted. It is. They stab at its ankles until it dies. Yeah, we'll get to that. We're we're gonna cross that conceit. The in a ancient minute. order of Tarrasque fighting. Yeah, we. What do want... you guys think the percentage chance is that a party could actually defeat this thing? Uh, level twenty party. I'll give it if it's in like. Depends. A- average average party build. I'll give it a five to fifteen percent. Yeah, and it also depends on how like soft the DM is taking it on that party. Like if the DM is just playing it straight up, then he's just going to murder them hilariously. I should note that the Tresk does have one weakness as far as the monster manual goes. Uh, it's corporeal, but also it has no ranged attacks. If you can fly outside of its reach, it literally cannot do anything. But hold on. Uh, that frightening presence. I mean. What's the range on that? 120 feet, I believe. Yeah. So 100, 120 Although feet. Although once you save on it, you're immune to it for the next 24 hours. So you just fly out of that range until you, once you get control of the situation oh, again. never you mind with arrows. You can't do anything about it. I mean, it's going to rampage through a city and kill a lot of people. But once you're outside of its range, it can't do anything. Which is why we're going to get to a couple other little things about it. Um, so this is where I step in and this is where I make my Tarrasque even meaner. <laughs> it's uh, on fire. Also, it can fly. Yeah. Uh, no, my Tarrasque can't fly. But uh, the Tarrasque in the book as listed is only like 50 feet tall, which I'm not sitting here saying that 50 feet tall is tiny by any means. But I want my kaiju to be bigger. <laughs> I need him to be a lot beefier, taller. You know, I need him to be able to be a lineman. Uh, so my Tarrasque, which is hatred structures. Yeah. 
His my, belly scrapes the top off of skyscrapers. <laughs> no, I uh, I have my my in world Tarrasque because there is one in my world, and he just kind of roams around on an island that's inhabited with barbarian halflings. Regardless, you're welcome for that. Oh no, I, I had this way before you joined my game. Oh, I, th- I thought I was the one that introduced you to the joys of the halfling barbarian. Oh no, that's the, that's literally what they do. That's a discussion we'll have later. So Tarrasque. Yeah, they um, I got him at about two hundred feet tall. I gave him a breath weapon and he has regeneration back from 3.5 because, frankly, seeing something's wounds close in front of you is a great shock tactic to any player uh, as a DM because nothing is – nothing immediately makes the party panic. Then usually – like usually it's the fighter or the paladin or somebody who gets in there and can just like hit for a bunch of attacks and do a bunch of damage. And, uh, you know, they're in there and they're mixing it up and they're doing the whole thing. And then the wounds just start to close in front of people and they're like, oh – Hmm. Oh no, that's we should have brought fire or acid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, immune to that. Immune to that. It is not immune to acid, but it's immune to fire. It is. Yes. So kill it with fire won't even work. But I also gave it a breath weapon because I wanted it to be more like Godzilla. And one day I'm going to get to use it as a main plot setting in a campaign campaign piece. Um, you can fit a giant or two in its lungs, so it's going to breathe a lot of air. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, well, I, you know, presume it's kind of like the Godzilla energy beam and it's, you know, I just give it force damage so it's not fire or anything. Atomic breath. Yeah. Which is, they did a science video on that, which is very scary, but we'll, again, skip that because it's not this. Um, but the main thing about my Tarrasque is, A, it's big enough to, like, reach out and, you know, snatch people who are trying to do the flying cheese. Um, I'm not sure I'd call it so much cheese at level 20 as this is a basic weakness you should have covered given that it is a fifth, a third level spell that any wizard at fifth level or above can cast. Which is true. But this is how I account for it by having arms long enough to reach and then also getting hit with Kamehameha breath. The Kamehameha breath is a better choice honestly because people just fly a bit further out to avoid the claws but you know. Now, one other thing I want to talk about the Tarrasque, and that's things that can potentially challenge it in the book, which there ain't much of. Um, but this does get into the like the one thing that can mess with it, and this is why I have my Tarrasque built up so much, is uh, Silver Dragon. Ancient Silver Dragon, or a Worm Silver Dragon. Well, any dragon that just wants to strafing around a Tarrasque can kill it. But... Except for gold and the other ones that do fire breath. Yeah. You're useless here. <laughs> Go home, gold dragon. Um, uh, get us one of those white dragons. Yeah, go get us one of them white dragons or a silver dragon or a well, an evil dragon would just kind of be like eating popcorn, just like get me this. was great. Maybe a blue dragon would get a little peeve because you know they're big into like slavery and white dragons are union kind of busting. Dumb. You can trick them into doing it. Yeah, they're normal intelligence, um, but dragon standards—they're dumb. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But we're talking about. Tarrasque, not dragon. Um, a silver dragon would immediately leap to try to save a city. And get its ass kicked. Well, strafing fly. Run. The, the idea would be that it would probably, you know, because a dragon is smart, it would fly, strafe it with its breath, and then just try to, like, lure it away from the city to give the city time to evacuate. Because um, eventually the Tarrasque is going to start picking up trees and hurling them like spears and, you know. I'm not sure that... Trask has the hand-eye coordination required to throw a tree like a What's spear. its dexterity? 11. That's good enough. Coordinated enough to throw something. <laughs> it has Strong no thumbs. Strong enough to throw it. L- look at the art. It has no thumbs. Yeah, and 
You can throw something with your hands like this. I mean, you don't need thumbs. Accurately. Godzilla doesn't have thumbs, and yet he uh, threw boulders several times. He used to bat things with his tail. He also invented the tail slide drop kick. Do not <laughs> doubt what a kaiju can pull off, Paul. I forgot about that stupid tail slide. Thing. Uh, God, that is so not dumb. stupid. That was awesome. It's very effective. It's a very effective combat strategy, Paul. <laughs> and it's got that big spiky tail, so it can do even more. All right. Let's keep it. Let's keep it rolling, though. Um, overall, Tarask is just. It's Godzilla. It's Godzilla. It's hard to use in your game, though. That's the that's the worst part. It, the only way you can ever use it before your party's level 20 is just have it be a walking natural disaster. That your party, like, you can actually squeeze about three or four sessions of material out of a Tarask attack. Not even an attack, just it's walking by. Yeah, like, it, you know. It's migrating. It's nighttime. It's literally coming through the city, and it, you know, just starts eating the city, and, you know, like, the guard, you know, ah, hit it with the ballista, you know, hit it with the, you know, everything. Oh, it's got AC-25. We're screwed. You know, and it's like, well, even when they hit, it's like they're not magical weapons, so it's not hurting it. Your tree-sized bolts mean nothing to me. Yeah, you know, it's just like walking around just eating buildings, just like, sup, guys, because it doesn't take any damage. Oh, you're tickling me with your ballista. You know, that's actually like actually a Tarask showing up as the big bad is trying to escape that the party is after is a very good way to uh, distraction uh, complicate things. But moving on, we've got a lot more uh, we want to properly cover. Uh, so let's talk about The Rock. Can you smell? What the, what the rock, rock is, is cooking. Groan, 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 groan. So the rock is the people's bird. Yes. God damn it. J- jokes aside, the rock is a giant bird. The rock has, if I'm going into the, oh, let's do a little brief lecture on this monster. A rock is an ancient monster from, I believe, Indian myth. But I could be wrong on that one. Middle Eastern myth. Middle it's Eastern. More fact-checking required. It's fine. I'm not that familiar with it. If you, if you have those facts for anything we say, fact-check us. It is a gargantuan monstrosity. Uh, it is completely unaligned, of course, because it's as dumb as a post Tarask is. Uh, it can fly, which negates the big, advi- big disadvantage of kaiju. Uh, it flies very quickly, actually. <laughs> and it hits quite hard. And that's pretty much all it does. Yeah. It has no really... No super special powers. It has a lot of HP. It does. There's 250 HP. Yeah. yeah. Very low AC, but it's a big bird. It should be kind of easy to hit. Yeah. It, it is admittedly only challenge rating 11. So. Yeah. Um, rocks to use effectively if you're going to use it as a big – because, again, this is one of those monsters that is like actually big enough to do stuff to a city. I think it needs a little bit of homebrew buffing. If you're going to make it like a It also city. needs atomic breath. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd give it atomic <laughs> breath. I'd beef the shit out of it, and I would call it Mothra. Um, I would just Reskin give it, it too. I would No, I would make it Rodan. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. And it just, you know, give it some sonic boom flight, you know, things like that. Um, I just want a Mothra. You know, just, it needs extra abilities. Because other than that, Alexia, it's the only... The only thing it can really do that, like, to a player that is frightening is its talent attack because that results in a grapple. And then, it, and then it just flies up in the air and then drops you, which is – Unless you're a wizard, you're in trouble. Or unless you've been mean to the wizard lately. <laughs> Cast fly, my friend. Oh, what was that you said about my sister? 
I need you to cast fly right now, buddy. Or feather fall, but you know. I want to use an acrobatics check to try and shift my fall a little bit so I can land here on someone. <laughs> a soft landing on the fatty wizard. I'm going to elbow drop the hell out of this wizard, bro. <laughs> um, all right, moving on to uh, the purple worm. A classic monster used specifically often to show the new swallow rules for whatever edition we're talking about. Oh, where is it? It's uh, Scarecrow. Uh, P comes before S. Yeah, I I noticed that just a little second too late. You know how it is. Come on. There we go. Purple Worm. Uh, I believe this one has been used in every edition since first edition to show off the swallow hole rules. Uh. Let's check the AD and D monster manual. <laughs> it continues that tradition in fifth edition. I have to tell you, it's bite attack can in fact swallow it, and then uh, you're stuck inside a performs belly. It's a pretty cut and dry monster. It's very straightforward. Um, much like the rock, it does not have much that it does except it burrows instead of flies. And this is the first monster where I think we get into the territory of if we're going to make it a. Um, super huge monster because, like, it's still gargantuan, but it's um, it leaves behind because it eats earth and it eats all the material in the ground as it, you know, wiggles its way through the earth. Uh, it leaves tunnels that are perfectly 10 foot diameter circles, just perfect 10 feet, which means we know it's about 10 feet around. If you want this thing to be kaiju, city eater, world breaker kind of thing. Um, just make it into Shai Hulud, who's passing reshapes the world. Exactly. Um, you know, just make it about 40 feet around. Yeah, the old purple worm was devastating with its 15 hit dice. <laughs> oh, second edition. Moving on. It still has 15 hit dice. They're just D20s now. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so, that's Primarily from everything that's in the main book. We can talk about the Astral Dreadnought really quick and Tome of Foes, um, which is the only other thing that's really big enough to be considered kaiju. Um, and the Kraken, but we'll get to that in a bit. We almost crossed Kraken really quick. So shout out to Brontosaurus for just being a giant cow, though. Yeah, we love the Brontosaurus. Sorry, we're going to have to murder you as a kaiju. Like it's – well, they don't do much. They're just – they're actually, herbivores. Why are you attacking them? A wild shape is a brontosaurus. Because that meat can, uh, you know. Feed you for a while. Feed everybody for a while. Feed a city for days. So the Astral Dreadnought. Hit us up. So Astral Dreadnought um, is prim- just frightening. Uh, it has a fly speed of 80 feet. Um, speed of 15 feet. It seems it's got like these every big... other kaiju has ways around the Tresk's one crippling weakness. You would think. Well, it's a hovering fly. So that's even more dangerous then. Um, it has an anti-magic cone, uh, which is its bread and butter. Uh, and then it has a dungeon in its stomach and that's about it. It's, its goal is to prevent people from becoming gods in the astral plane, if I recall. Yeah, it's, it's something like that. Um, so just using it as a kaiju, the only, like the one natural problem that it runs into is the fact that it is permanently on the astral plane. You kind of have to go out of your way to find it. But they do make great um, hideouts for super high-level wizards who intentionally get swallowed, and they just brought all them, their stuff with them. Living in the 1,000-foot-by-1,000-foot thousand thousand dungeon? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm safe here. 
nothing nothing bad can happen to me here, and nope. somebody's got to get through a astral dreadnought to get to me. There's nothing safer than hiding inside a giant monster. I should belly. point out that everything that it's eaten also goes in there, though. So you're probably going to drop into a bunch of corpses. Uh, you make you know you, you, that's why you bring you know a couple extra bags of holding. You know you just the clean up. Necromancer's them. dream. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you just go in there, you know, you clean up, make sure you got a mop with you. you Get know, an unseen servant to do it for you. You're a wizard. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're better than that shit. Um, overall, they're really fun monsters. They're great gargantuan monsters. If your party, for whatever reason, ends up on the astral plane, this will put the fear of God in them. You cannot escape the kaiju by going to the astral plane. If, yeah. If you, wanna, if you want to destroy it, find Tarask, throw like five or six bag of holdings on the side shoot a bunch of portable holes in it in each of the bag each of the bags make a portal big enough for the Tarask send it there they fight it out Tarask wins by saying hi I step on you <laughs> and then you have the Tarask god yeah cuz that's the you know that's why Tarask still beats the astral dreadnought cuz its only way of really attacking is uh putting them in the dungeon can you even put something in the dungeon that's bigger than you probably not um your mouth can't fit me well, that and its only other way of attacking is biting and clawing. Against the AC-25 Tarrasque. Yeah. Well, it has a plus 16 to hit, so. With immunity to non-magical but our, our, magical our claws. Slashing. Has magical, magical claws. Magic claws. Okay, so it'll deal half damage. Yeah. So got let's, me there. let's talk about um, the not kaiju, but definitely kaiju. I want to be kaiju. Um, ones that you can actually do really neat stuff with, and that is Dragon Turtle and Kraken. Um. These are too smart to qualify as proper kaiju. They can plan. That being said, though, my my dragon turtles in my campaign setting, because I, you know, do minor edits to a lot of stuff just to fit more into the world plan I want to have, is my dragon turtles are dumb. They are monstrosities. They are unaligned. They don't have the, uh, you know, they don't like shinies like other dragons. They're just F huge snapping turtles who have steam breath. Steam breath is pretty cool. Paul, if you could pop open the uh, book to that. Um, <clears throat> dragon, 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 dragon. Dragon Turtle also has my favorite art in the game, too. Just going to put that as as an aside. The uh, picture of a dragon uh, yes. creeping up on a galleon, just like going to bite the ass off the galleon. Wonderful. And then you see it. And then they also have a shark in it that is significantly smaller than the claws. But, yeah, point being, though. Uh, it is a great monster that if you just add a little bit of siege damage to it, it suddenly can just like, you know, flop its way onto shore of any major port city and just start breaking stuff. I mean, it can still flop its way onto shore. It can breathe air and water and it's got 20 feet movement speed. Yeah, but I'm just saying though, you give it siege as an extra ability uh, yes, too. Siege which is, monster. Yes. You know, make it a, make it a very kaiju-y. Where it, it, just it, does. it comes on shore to lay its eggs as turtles do. Notices there's a city in the way, so it clears it out to make a nice nest. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking the city down so it can instead have a nest. Where's Richard Attenborough when we need him? Rip. Um, here on the plains of the Serengeti, we see the legendary we dragon, see the dragon turtle. Swim up to the city. Oh, the people are in a panic. The ants are running. They're screaming. <laughs> it won't save them. <laughs> um, so we have that, and then we have Not the Kraken. God can save you now. <laughs> uh, the Kraken, which has no leash. Unleash it. Release it. Yep. The Kraken, by comparison, unlike everything else we've just talked about, has 
a whole bunch of abilities. And it has a big old brain, too, in this edition, which is weird to It's me. Intelligence 22, I believe, something like that. Yeah, it's Intelligence 22, I'm pretty sure. The king of monsters, if you will. Yeah. No, it's not the king. It's the doctor of monsters. Come on. Where is it? Oh, I'm the, so bad at this. It's smart enough to know how to point a Tarrasque in the right direction and then get out of its eyesight so it doesn't get distracted. Any, any, anything that has Intelligence 10 knows that. Do not stand in front of giant monster. Yeah, do not stand in front of kaiju. Make kaiju look other way if possible. Godzilla. Anyway, yes, the Kraken is intelligence 22. It is also charisma 20. And constitution 25. Only dex 11. Sad. It'll never be the painter it always It will to be. never be able to juggle. I'd expect a little bit more dexterity out of a Kraken, but... It's also enormous. Yeah, fair enough. point out. But... Its abilities to be a city destroyer are absolutely fantastic. It does have Siege Monster, which is something that we've been yeah, talking about. You need so. to have if you're going to be a kaiju. It can climb out of the water and destroy things. Uh, it's got slapping with its tentacles. It can bite things. It can throw things. It can create a lightning storm yep. at will. Which is a cool kaiju superpower. It is. And also, it its lair causes a whole bunch of funny things to happen. By funny, I mean terrifying like summoning water elementals to guard the lair and making all creatures of the sea, creatures of the sea, creatures of the deep, aggressive and mean to you, which is good. So an angry Aquaman. Yep. Yeah. Hateful Aquaman. And also, of course, it makes the weather as it sees fit, which means it's going to be perpetually stormy, naturally. And, of course, it can do mean things to you while it's in its lair. And, you know, the thing about it is, too, though, it has, like, a bunch of natural spell abilities, but I can still see just dropping intelligence and making it a big dumb monster and it still being fine. I mean, yeah, but I actually kind of like that it's smart by comparison, personally. Yeah, but, you know, just for the sake of a kaiju, you can't have – well, like, it could be the Ghidorah, I guess, of the kaiju. Well, I mean, it's, it schemes against dragons. Mm. Me. It fights the dragons with the Tarrasque. You breathe fire. Here's a Tarrasque. Atomic breath. So it's a half step back. Dan Randhage said All right, that so. uh, he had a group that defeated a dragon turtle, gutted out the shell, and used it as a boat. That's pretty Vikingly badass. Yeah. That's what how, I would how, do many, how many turtle. paddles did they have to use? Probably a lot. It's a lot of paddles. It's a lot of hirelings. Um, so I, I employed this whole anyway. village to paddle my dragon turtle shell so, boat. Do you mean enslaved? Final... <laughs> The final uh, monster we're really going to throw in here as a kaiju consideration, uh, this is the honorable mention of the click, and this is just, again, some slight uh, homebrew buffing to get up to uh, City Breaker status. Hydra. It's a huge monster. It's not a gargantuan, which is a tragedy. Yeah. It's, um, everyone knows what a Hydra does. I, I won't waste your time we, by yeah, bringing it's, up. It's got a bunch oh, of heads. It, it's got heads and it does acid stuff. Yeah, you add breath weapon and, uh, you know, about 150 HP in a size category. Siege monster. Done. Easy. There you go. Something else for Godzilla to fight. Yep. So, and choke the crap out of like <laughs> each head. ungrateful stepdaddy. So, on to the next bit. Uh, how do we how do we do a combat with Gargantuan stuff? Because that's what we were really going to get to today. I joked earlier about stabbing them in the ankles. That's a serious problem because, I mean, when you get down to it, you, when you're using like a combat grid, you're kind of just running up to the monster and attacking it. But against anything that's Gargantuan size, that's you're coming up again to like maybe their toes. 
So are, are you just stabbing them in the toes until they fall over? That is kind of the idea. But or you can steal from Power Rangers, Pacific Rim, and a lot of other good, giant good robot shows, shows with giant robots. Well, you could do giant robots. Steal that homebrew, or not homebrew, uh, Unearthed Arcana, the giant soul sorcerer. Have someone cast Enlarge Reduce on you. Get then huge. You, you cast two of your spells that will make you grow one size larger. Cast Shillelagh, so now your weapon is even bigger. <laughs> and I believe you would be Gargantuan at that point. Uh, well, yes. Uh, let's see, medium to large. To huge. To huge. To Gargantuan. Yeah, so you'll be Gargantuan fighting Gargantuan thing. And you can have an epic city-destroying battle. I mean, as you'll it, still lose, but... Yeah, but it pushes you back. You step on a uh, building or three. You push, you push it back a little bit. It shatters about six or seven buildings. I'll call you collateral damage, man. This is all over. And then after the fight, you just book it out of there as quick as possible. Grab your whole party, <laughs> have them right on your shoulder, and just book it. And before somebody tries to sue you for the property damage you've done? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless of all I don't want to clean this up. So many shows and stuff sort of depict fighting giant monsters sort of climbing over them and stabbing them in their magical glowing weak spots. That's not Shadows of the Colossus. I'm – yes, that was the reference I was making. But <laughs> – Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. So the problem is that's not very well supported in D&D in general because you got to make a bunch of – acrobatics or athletics tests to hold on to monsters like that and there's nothing that's really disadvantageous about sort of just stabbing them in the toes until they bleed to death so how how would we do kaiju combat well there's a couple of well there's a couple of things i think that really need to be kept in mind when you're doing so the idea is, is again we are using trying to use gargantuan monsters that are of an exceptional size like you would see in a you don't really have a problem Giant stabbing a purple worm because it's sort of on ground level. It's, it's ground level and, it, well, you know, the terrier part of the – I like to use my purple worms like great white sharks, you know, and they do the, you know, the underground approach and, you know, that's always fun. Um, snatch up a hireling. Take the tremors approach. Tender. Yeah, exactly. Um, but here's a couple of things that you need to keep in mind. Um, there are a bunch of ways as a DM you can artistically, like, present – Toe stabbing, for example, and make it work if that's your thing or that's the way they decide to go about it. Um, I always look at gargantuan monsters in tiers. Like, and by tier, I mean, like, how can they get to the vital fleshy bits? Um, if, you know, they're fighting, let's say. Stabbing um, them in their claws isn't going to do much. Or, stabbing them in their throat. That's yeah. That's more you're looking let's for. Use, uh, you let's know, go for the eyeballs. We'll, we'll use the big softy here. Oh, but quick. Yep. Now we got more time. We got uh we got fifteen minutes. Um so we uh Brontosaurus. We're gonna use the Brontosaurus, that big, sad, beautiful moosey as a good example of gargantuan sized cow. Um so you could have your party run up to the legs, stab the legs endlessly, and um, if you're going to do a good job to kind of illustrate the scene, then you're going to make it fall to a knee, you know, at once it gets to a certain health mark, maybe like quarter health, you know, maybe eighth health, you know, if they've been just like laying it in on a leg and, you know, just to 
break everybody's heart as you know Celine Dion's playing and the Brontosaurus is trying to run away from the party. You're gonna make it, me cry. Yeah, the no, party no. of butchers. I mean, a party of monsters. <laughs> um, as they run the Brontosaurus down and they finally attack the leg and it gets under like that quarter HP, it'll collapse and it'll fall. It can still make its attacks. I think its attack is a stomp and a tail attack. So you know, its real attack is emotional. Yeah, and, uh, you know, give it two tail attacks that turn. You know, it tries pitifully to swipe at the party as they run up to the brain. You know, now it can't stand back up, and they or it rolls around. Giant cow. So that's one way to do it. Um, another way the party could do it is again because they're trying to murder this giant beautiful creature. Um, is they use some kind of like grappling hooks or device? It's big enough that they can legitimately like get on it. Or get some hooks on it and climb up. Or legit, like, fire some crossbow hooks into it and climb it. Always present that as an option to your players when uh, they're attempting to fight something. Like, they know they're going to fight something big because random encounter gargantuan monsters is dumb. <laughs> how are you going to – well, except for the purple worm, how are you going to be randomly encountering something like that? Or the rock, but you can hear it coming from the distance. You get really Smell. lost. Yeah, you get re- – Get really lost. Then you're like, you know what? Here's a boat. Let's just sail out to the next shore and you end up on the Isle of Giant Beasts or Gargantuan Beasts. No, they're just huge beasts. It wouldn't really work like that. Um, So, you know, you're probably going to be planning these encounters. So normally they're going to have some way to be able to deal with it except for the Taras because everything I hear online apparently is that DMs just use the Taras because they're sick of their party. Uh, they're they're the blunt instruments of the monster manual, so to speak. I've had enough of your shit. Here's a Tarask. Um You've messed up my carefully collected plot of politically intrigue, and you talk about how weak all my fights are. Who's weak now? You drank my last beer. You didn't buy pizza for the last time. Who's weak now? Um, so they could potentially climb. They can, you know, do that. And then the other option would be um, – a fight that is in the air. Um, again, this poor Brontosaurus running to my heart will go on. Um, something I love when fighting a gargantuan monster, and you know there's going to be time, is having like a buddy NPC or somebody that the party really knows um, come in and be like, hey, guys, here is a convenient workaround because you will never see your party get so excited until you mention like, you know, here's a bunch of like wings of Icarus. They'll make everybody fly or – Everybody gets to ride a griffin into combat, and they're like, what? I'll cast Enlarge Reduce and shrink rock. it down one size so it's still massive, but not as big. You know, ever since Why? Giant Soul Sorcerer came out, you're just way too into Enlarge Reduce as a spell. Well, that, that's because now it's actually going to be really fucking cool. Really cool for me. <laughs> Whoops. It <already laughs> was cool. But regardless, moving on. So yes, flying combat is also an opportunity. The flying around a combat and I you know the biggest thing for using stuff like this is just trying to fit it into your world. Um, you know, the primary ones that we're talking about, the uh the purple worm, they actually do a very good job in the monster manual with the purple worm lore, like don't even need to touch that. Purple worms just accidentally make highways for everybody underground. Yeah, and they rarely come back to highways that they made, so they're super safe. Um, dwarves are digging a tunnel and, oh, sweet, we get to uh, take the week off. Yeah. Oh, oh. Unfortunately, this tunnel is vertical. Every, <laughs> everybody just sit here 
We're going to sit here for the next day. We're going to pretend like we did all this. And collect all that sweet, sweet overtime. Yep. We're um, going to drink and do nothing but drink constantly. But uh, on a real note though, we have, uh, you know, Papa T. You know, the, the ones that we'll use for this example is um, the Tarrasque, the Rock, uh, Dragon Turtle, and the Kraken. Those four can just be major plot devices. The destruction of a city is a fantastic way to move a plot forward um, or to really set up a big change. For example, you know, beloved king, you know, fair, steady king who's been in charge for over 60 years and, you know, the uh, the country, every, the country's going fine and everybody's happy. Tarrasque attacks. King dies. Doesn't get out in time. Succession crisis time. Yep. Succession. Ugh. Just say the words. I can't. You usurp crisis. the throne. Thank you. Um, wow, Nacho. No, it's not about you always. Okay. Jeez. Uh, you have no claim. Stop <laughs> fabricating these things. You, I fought this giant can... monster. It's mine. Don't or I called, I called you, dibs first. You ran up. I, I called dibs. What is this? I, I successfully stabbed the Tarrasque, so therefore I get to be in charge now. Guys, yes. guys, what I you know about tax law. This isn't Riddick. I called dibs. <laughs> Again, all I'm saying is a moistened bint lobbing scimitars at you is no way to set up a form of government. Right. Anyway. So. <laughs> Nacho. Stop. All right. But let's. Back to my main point here. Um, they should have a functional place in your world, these big monsters. You know, like everyone's not just going to be like, well, you know, a rock just randomly showed up. Like the people are going to know where that damn thing lives. They have a lifespan of hundreds of years. It There's going to be a bunch of cool stuff on the top of that mountain. And I'm pretty sure like the barbarian tribes who live around there or whatever, like uh, intelligent local life, you know, maybe it's not completely civilized, but say like uh, – uh, what's a good example? I was going to say gnolls, but gnolls are dumb in this edition. I just remembered. Um, goblins, hobgoblins, centaurs, hobgoblins, um, orcs. They're probably going to venerate that damn thing as a god because it just occasionally will snatch a whale out of the fucking ocean. And then you have giants that are rock trainers. Yeah. I thought you were going to say something else about giant soul sorcerers. And I was going to say, no, 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 just giants, just giant falconeers that. Have rocks that can't land on their arms. <laughs> um, That's a little sad, actually. You know, and then, you know, same thing with the Kraken. Like, the Kraken lives in an area. The Kraken is going to, well, because the Kraken's smart, but even if we have the dumb, super destructive Kraken that I'm a, a bigger fan of, um, you know, people are going to talk about it. It's going to be woven into mythos. If you plan on using anything like this in your campaign at all, ever, unless it comes up as a random roll, because there are a couple of tables where, like, a rock is a thing. Um, a purple worm is a thing, a kraken's a thing, a dragon turtle's a thing. Um, try just to be a little heavy handed with the lore. Yeah, like this is something that legends will be written about. Yeah. And try to, you know, it, it's a great building point for you to literally build a culture on something that people are afraid of. Because if you look at every culture that's existed throughout history, whenever people are terrified of something, they write really cool stories about that shit. Yeah. Maybe even worship it. You know, every single volcano lore is usually badass. Um, and I guess, you know, when it finally comes to just running a big-ass monster, the only one that I think is really just good ambush, like, oh, snap moment stuff is Tarrasque. Because, again, I can't think of anything better. And this is not foreshadowing for the Wednesday game. I'm not going to do this to the Wednesday game, boys. But, um, you know, just imagine the plot of 
the carefully crafted plot of political intrigue suddenly getting thrown out the window for about four sessions because uh, Tarask is charging through town. Sudden genre shift. Two weeks later, we will have stories about the Tarask. <laughs> Regardless. Regardless. Um, final thoughts on Kaiju, gentlemen. I actually have a pretty hard time using Kaiju. I think they're a fun concept, but outside of the purple worm, I think I'd struggle to use one of these in a game. Very fair. I'd probably use them as uh, instruments of the gods when they get really upset with their followers. Oh, they're not just going to use the uh, the ultimate kaiju, the uh, neutronium golem? Well, they could. Or they could say – seems a bit overkill. Though. You know what? Yeah, Here, I don't want to kill everything. I just want to teach you a lesson. So like a water god, um, I'm drawing a blank on the uh, Forgotten Realms pantheon, but – Hey, you know what? This harbor started uh, doing all sorts of shit. So here's a Kraken. Have fun. Have fun with that. Um, I mean, for me, I do just like to have the the idea again of just like some things that are truly incredible in a world because my setting has grown slowly from about what? It's been about 12, 14 campaigns in my setting at this point that I've done. Something like that. Um, it started as low fantasy in a, you know, a time where magic was gone and the magic's come back and, you know, like legends of return to life. And, you know, and so we've spanned like over a thousand years, probably about, you know, 1200 years in my campaign world. And, uh, you know, it's to the point where it's like the stuff that used to be written about is kind of being alive. And so I love the idea of having like these just larger than life things. Um, before the Phoenix rules came out, because a phenol, uh, they have the Phoenix in Tome of Foes, which is a gargantuan monster, but it's intelligent and it yada, yada, yada. So I used a rock and I just customized the hell out of a rock and I made that into a Phoenix for a uh, combat that's actually uh, Nacho's character's like, first introduction to the party. He headbutted a Phoenix. Yep. A giant rock Phoenix. Flew in there, didn't Fun. ask any questions and... Hit it with a headbutt. But um, my party thoroughly remembered that combat. It was. It took us two sessions to do that combat because that Phoenix had enough health. And when it died, it blew up and blew up a whole damn city. Property damage. Uh, property damage is one way to put it. Um, the complete erasure of an entire city. Uh, Ouch. Yeah. Plus surrounding farms. And surrounding farmland. Uh, but the point was – this it like it had been a built up to moment and with things like this you can do incredibly cinematic fights like it was them with a lot of fireproofing and like riding griffins and like wizards casting fly on everybody and like some of the guys who had fireproof armor were you know on its back like you know trying to stab it but also fighting like the druids that had sided with it and stuff and it just made this super cinematic fight and the beauty of gargantuan monsters is ultimately you can do Really cool stuff with them as a part of the environment, as part of like a larger assault force, and just as part of a legend. Because ultimately, if you use a grid or if you're just really good at describing things, when they are that damn big, somebody in the party is going to get squirrely. <laughs> Somebody's going to panic, and you can really just play that up as a DM. And I mean, let's not forget. You know, we can talk about eight cute ways that you can beat the Tarasque, but the Tarasque is still a Tarasque, and surprise, Tarasque wins every time. <laughs> Unless you can fly. Not against my Teleport. Tarasque. Your Tarasque is not the one in the monster manual. I'm sorry. Exactly. I, I plane shift. <laughs> I fixed the Tarasque. All right, time, gentlemen. Time stop, plane shift. Gentlemen, 
I believe that's going to be our show for this week. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Paul, what is our plan for next week? Because you had the show topic. I believe we were going to talk about uh, how to introduce new players effectively to Dungeons and Dragons. A fun one. Um, so we're going to do that. We're going to see what news comes out. Hopefully we'll be able to do a review on Eberron next week. Um, yeah, I think that's it, boys. I think right. we did it. Hats off. Congratulations. Uh, thank you to Jesse for being special guest producer for the day and really getting into the job. Shocking. No Thanks one ever does. having me, guys. Anytime. Um, and, yeah, that's our show this week. Yeah. Hope everybody had fun. If you like our stuff, please head to our Facebook uh, page. We are at uh, facebook.com slash three. That is three spelled the old-fashioned way, T-H-R-E-E, D-M's, D-M-S. Podcast at uh, Facebook.com, 3DMs Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'll tweet occasionally. Um, usually it's touching. You can find us anywhere you can find podcasts except for Spotify because they hate us for some reason. And Spotify hates us. This is going to be really awkward if we ever get picked up by Spotify and we have like 30 episodes that should talk Spotify. <laughs> um, Spotify, I'd like to remind you that I'm a premium subscriber for over five years. So please don't. Hey, please, please love us. <laughs> love me, Spotify. Um, and we record all of our stuff out of the podcast Detroit Studios in Royal Oak, Michigan. Uh, if you're in the southeastern Michigan area and you want to start your own podcast, please check out podcastdetroit.com. We've got multiple studios, very comfortable, fun amenities. And uh, yeah, you want to do a podcast? It's as easy as going to podcastdetroit.com. All right, gang. We're out of here. I'm Jake. I'm Nacho. I'm Paul. And I'm Jesse. we hope all of you have a fantastic week. Rollers roll well. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.